Hey everybody, welcome to Waking Up to Narcissism. This is episode, it has a number, it does indeed, it is episode 55 of Waking Up to Narcissism. I'm your host, Tony Overbay. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and host of the Virtual Couch Podcast. And I'll skip all the business stuff, even though there's so much fun, exciting things to talk about. Just please go to TonyOverbay.com and sign up for my newsletter. You'll find out about all kinds of exciting things that are coming up in 2023. And one that I think I have mentioned on Waking Up to Narcissism, I know I've talked about it over on the virtual couch. I've recorded several episodes of a Therapy Meets True Crime podcast with one of my daughters, and we've got six episodes already recorded and she is she's incredible and adorable we take a particular case and then she gives i feel like such an old man when i say she gives the the view of the kids these days and then i come in there and throw the therapy blanket all over it and the psychology information as best as i know and we're going to do a lot more of that so that's exciting and then also is so so close to releasing a Waking Up to Narcissism question and answer, a, a separate podcast, and that will have a, a small charge and the proceeds will go to fund a nonprofit to help people, help people that are in narcissistic relationships with whether it is therapy, whether it's legal costs, whether it's helping them get out of these situations. So look for that. There will be a free episode. They call it a, a zero episode that will come out pretty soon. And then, but you'll find out more information. And that's why I would love for you to just go sign up for the newsletter. Or just uh, simply go follow me on Instagram at Tony Overbay, I think it's underscore LMFT, or on Facebook, Tony Overbay Licensed Marriage and Family Therapist, or LinkedIn, I think it's just my name, and uh, TikTok that's at Virtual Couch. But the, my amazing social media team, the Yeah Yeah Agency, are starting to really just put a lot of content out there. So let's get to today's episode. I interviewed a really phenomenal, fascinating, full of energy woman named Susie Pettit. And Susie had reached out to me a few months ago and asked me to come on her podcast. She has a, a great podcast called The Love Your Life Show. And I almost worried that this is going to start sounding like a bit of a theme. But when I went on Susie's podcast, I didn't know a lot about Susie. And I didn't necessarily prepare because I think I like to tell myself that I like to go in and just be real and be open and authentic. And I just loved that I really thought we were going in one particular direction. And we talked a lot about narcissism. Now, we talked about the four pillars of a connected conversation. And we talked about how to get out of conversations when you are starting to get amygdala hijacked. And I laid out what I thought at the time was a pretty clever acronym, ROCK, Rules of Constructive Communication. But I used a K for communication, trying to be very clever. And and we talked about that, but we really then started digging into narcissism. And the more that I could understand Susie's story, the more fascinating it became. And so then I suggested that she come on the podcast because Susie is someone who just has a, a fascinating story where she has been in these uh, a narcissistic relationship. She talks about what that's like parenting when she's in it, trying to buffer, in essence, for the kids' sake. And she has a, a family dynamic where they turn against her. There's there's loss, there's betrayal, and she rises like the phoenix. And I don't want to spoil the rest of the story because it's pretty phenomenal. But know when we're going in, you're going to hear this energetic person. If you go watch this over on the YouTube channel, the Virtual Couch YouTube channel, You'll see that she's dynamic. She's very positive. I think it really speaks a lot to show the work that she's had to do to get to the place where she's at. And so often when people are starting to open up to 
the the challenges, the problems, the emotional immaturity in their relationships. So often it can just feel overwhelming and it can feel like there's never going to be an end. And it doesn't mean that, again, doesn't mean the relationship is doomed for failure. It can often mean that we just don't know what we don't know. And I understand that when people are at the very beginning of this awakening, they may see somebody like Susie and think, okay, well, obviously her situation is much different, which again, everybody's situation is different. But you look at where she's at now and, and you think, man, that that must be nice. Or I'm sure that it, hers wasn't as bad as I think it was. But man, Susie's situation was rough. And so you're going to see what that looks like to, to go through it and then to come out the other side and the lessons learned. And on that note, Susie is a, she is a, a life coach. She's got online programs. If you go to SMB, like Sam, Mary, Bravo, smbwellness.com slash Tony. She put a little link there for me. Then you can find out more about the things that she offers. She does some one-on-one coaching. She's got some programs, courses. And so if you like her energy and you understand that she's been through it, whatever the it is that you're identifying with, then I, I do highly recommend you reach out to Susie. And I'm sure I'll end up having her on again because I think she just makes some really, really salient points. And so part of that is I would love your questions. If you have questions for Susie, then please just send them through the contact form on my website. And we'll have her back on or maybe over on that the narcissism, waking up to narcissism question and answer group or that podcast, because I really feel like it's going to bring up a lot of questions of how, how did she, what was that like? And then I want, I want all those questions. Please send those to me. So let me read off of her bio to tell you a little bit about Susie. This is from directly from smbwellness.com. Meet Susie. Susie Pettit's been helping women live their lives they love for over 20 years. She's the host of the podcast, Love Your Life Show. She runs a monthly membership for midlife warriors. And she's the owner of Strength, Mind, and Body, LLC. She's a certified parent, life, and wellness coach. She's a mom of five sons, ages 18 to 26. And she's passionate about helping women live lives that feel as good on the inside as they look on the outside. She spent more than half of her life living a life that she did not love. So that's what we're going to talk about today. She was the people pleaser, the codependent perfectionist. And I I appreciate that she says this next line, but I think this can be really difficult if you're in it. She said, luckily, she hit rock bottom. That's that's right. Luckily, she said she hit rock bottom and now has the breadth of experience to teach firsthand about setting boundaries, beating your inner critic, conscious parenting, how to thrive after divorce and how to use mindfulness-based tools to beat overwhelm and anxiety. And if anything, hang in there till you hear the story of how she met her her current partner, because it's fascinating. It really is. Um, When she's not working with clients, she's getting used to being an empty nester and her new home on the other side of the world. So she'll tell a little bit more about that story as well. So let's get to this episode with Susie again. If you start finding yourself doing the, yeah, but, yeah, but she this, or yeah, but I don't, or or I'm sure, then please just jot those things down and send me those questions. I promise you, I would love to get to those and answer those. And just know that that's part of this whole waking up process of the yeah, buts. Because you might get that little dopamine bump of, okay, I do, I want a better life. I want to be able to talk with my spouse. I want him to go to therapy. I want me to start working on myself. And you'll feel good. Let's do this. And then pause for a second. And then just watch your your just adorable brain start to go, hey, yeah, but I'm not really sure where to start. Or I'm not sure if she would really want to. Or I'm not sure if he would want to. Or I'm not. And then that's your brain just kind of saying, hey, that sounds a little scary. And that is the unknown. And it sounds very uncertain. So why don't we just put this off? We'll do it later. And that is the story of our lives until we start to recognize that we fall for that story so often. We'll do it later, 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 later. And then eventually in our own minds, the that implicit memory or what it feels like to be us is, yeah, it's a good idea, but I'll do it later. 
So I think that is, I think you need to understand that that is just part of this whole process of becoming and awakening and waking up. And so you go from, I didn't know what I didn't know to now I know, but I'm really not doing it. And then you get to beat yourself up about now I know I'm not even doing things about it. But over time, you then move from, I didn't know what I didn't know to, I know, but I don't do to, I do more than I don't. And then eventually I just start to become, and I am, and that's the path that you're on. So let's get to that interview with Susie Pettit. Send me your questions and uh, have an amazing week. And we'll see you next time on Waking Up Narcissism. That is what I say at the end. This is not the end. Um, This is really more like the beginning. So let's get on to that interview with Susie. Okay. Susie Pettit, round two or three? What will we call this one? It's all... Let's call it two. It's all part of one. You've been smiling the whole (laughs) way. All going exactly as we planned. (laughs) Absolutely. That's the case. So welcome to the virtual couch as well as probably the Waking Up to Narcissism podcast as well. So thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. It's exciting. Yeah, I love being on your podcast. And I just felt like, boy, we, I don't know, I felt like 10 minutes and I felt like we could have talked all day. And I think at that point we said, okay, let's continue this over on mine. Yes. So, uh, yeah, so here we are. And I'm looking forward to this. I would love to, maybe if you're open to it, just tell my listeners who you are and a little bit about you, because there's a couple of really fascinating things about <laughs> where you are and mm-hmm. more. So why don't you lay that story out? So Susie, take us on your train of thought. Okay. Well, my name is Susan Pettit, and I am currently <laughs> a 51-year-old successful life coach for moms of teens. And I help women, you know, really learn habits. I'm very into brain science and how our brain likes habits and even help women lay habits and create habits to live a life they love. Yeah. Now, the backstory of that is because I lived a life I did not love for many Many years. I grew up in a family. I was one of three daughters. I was the oldest. And I grew up with a dad who from the very, my very earliest memories, I remember him saying, you should have been a boy. And I wanted a boy. And even my third sister is named Jill. And he said, that's because I could never get my bill. So I grew up in a very male dominated house Mm -hmm. with a, you know, really, we were tiptoeing around my dad the whole time. So that's where these might fit into your waking up the narcissist podcast. Well, I think so. And Susie, I feel like this is one of those situations where if somebody hasn't experienced that, I would imagine mm-hmm. if somebody was saying, well, I'm sure that he was joking, you know, or I'm sure mm-hmm. that he didn't really mean it. But I mean, that was your everyday experience. Well, and the tricky part is, is that when we're dealing with people who are narcissist or emotionally immature, they might say it in a joking way, like, oh, mm-hmm. I'm just joking or, yeah. or, you know, one of the things... One of my memories, so a lot of growing up with my dad was to be a woman, you needed to look a certain way, you needed to be a certain way, or else, since you weren't a man and you're already starting back a step, okay. like if you weren't this perfect little image of a woman, then there you go. And and just thinking of jokes, one of the things my dad used to say, it's, he used to be very controlling around food. And I can remember that when we were, quote unquote, allowed a treat, he would get two donuts and he would have one donut. And then the other donut, he would split in quarters and he would give one to my mom and one quarter to me and my other two sisters. And he would, you know, he would say like a moment on your lips, forever on your hips. And he'd just sort of be smiling in that like, you know, oh, here you go. And here I am. I get to have the whole donut because I'm a man. There's a lot of that joking. And yes, when people hear this, for sure, you know, they may think, okay, well, you know, people have said this to me too. But the cumulative effect 
yeah. of years of this then led me <laughs> into a marriage where I had a very similar relationship where I was constantly looking for external approval and external um oh, approval is yeah. yeah validation yeah. of is this okay can I it's funny I didn't even plan this today Tony but I'm wearing a button down shirt and my first husband said I could never wear button down shirts that it was it was slutty and women don't wear and so I like now a day <laughs> yeah I button down shorts like almost all the time. Right. I'm like, check out. <laughs> I want, yeah. but it is, it is, I have come from a past of a lot of programming and wounding. Yeah. So that shirt example is such a good one as well, because in that moment, because that was how you grew up and that's what you were hearing in the marriage. I mean, did you question that at first or did you just feel like this is the way the world works? I do need to check in and see if this is okay. Yeah, I think what I don't want to skip over is yeah. the massive toll that many of us have, whether we had a upbringing like mine or not, where I do believe my dad was doing the best he could. Yeah. <laughs> but whether we had that upbringing or not, the toll that it takes in getting the message that we don't know what's right for us and we need to look externally from us of ourselves for what is right. And that is not just me being raised with a narcissistic father. That is a lot of people raised in a society, whether you're a boy or a girl. Absolutely. Just this idea, you know, when we're talking about emotions, like, oh no, you're not, like, don't be sad about that. Or it can be to lesser degrees. Mine is obviously at one yeah. <laughs> of the spectrum. But having grown up in that household where I was absolutely programmed to think that I did not know what was right for me, that a quarter of a donut was the best thing, and that okay. I am lucky that my dad isn't mad at me, that I you know, played my music too loud or something. When I then was with a husband who said these same things, I was like, okay, okay, let's get in line, Susie. And I, I very much was looking back what I think many of us define as a people pleaser. When he told me, and maybe he just told me twice, like, don't wear a button-down shirt. It's not like that was a conversation we had every moment of our 26 years together. Yeah. But that's all I needed because I was so in, you know, as we know from narcissism, I was so in this lack of self-confidence and yeah. my own self-regard that I was like, okay, so if I can get his vote of approval by not wearing a button-down shirt, there you go. And it, the button-down shirt is just one example. I mean, there was I was not allowed to talk to certain people. And, and I'd say this, and yet she wasn't holding me back. I could have gone out of the house and talked to someone or bought a self-help book or it was just more the emotional yeah. turmoil and backlash from that. Well, I feel like that that part, again, if anybody hasn't been in that situation, it does sound so easy to were you mm -hmm. being held down, were you what were. But, mm -hmm. but there was so much. I can only imagine there was so much more to that as well. And I do feel like when you're talking about that need for external validation or the people pleasing Tell me if this resonates, because I think a lot of times when people stay, and I guess I'm just jumping right into the deep end as well, but when people stay in relationships, let's say, for example, for the kids, um, mm -hmm. because we hear that so often, and I feel like it's hard to say this to somebody that's trying their best, and they might be in this rough relationship, but I feel like often they are, in essence, teaching their kids, hey, here's how we manage dad's emotions, or here's how we manage mm -hmm. mom's emotions, almost like this is all I know. And so I'm going to teach that to my kid. And then what does it do? Then that's what they feel like is that is what you do in a relationship rather than, oh, I'm allowed to have my own feelings and emotions. 100%. That's what I was taught as a kid. 
But it was, it was this be careful. It was that walking on eggshells, you know, oh, dad's had a tough day at work. So, you know, when you get home, be on your best behavior. Like like I can influence his mood. I very much was taught that my behavior could be responsible for an adult's emotions, which we know is their thoughts that are, (laughs) their feelings. And yet, you know, I, I just tiptoed around so much. Don't play the music too loud, you know, and don't talk about your tough. So I was taught at a young age that my, behaviors could impact, not even could, but like did Did. impact some, you know, like he absolutely handed over his emotional control to me. And then when I moved into a more mature relationship, that absolutely was the case for me in marriage too. So your point to, you know, staying in this for the kids, what was another little factor in my life is that really was a turning point for me. If I had a friend dear friend who we were living sort of parallel lives. Like I had three kids, she had two kids. We would go to playgroup every week and we would complain about our husbands and our life and our, you know, whatever. And then we'd get all our energy out and complaining to each other. And then we'd go out in our lives, live the same life, like rinse and repeat, come back the next week. Oh, okay. So what? That woman was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer. And within several years passed, and it was a massive wake-up call for me because she never got that chance to sort of look and be like, what kind of legacy am I leaving for my oh. kids? And for me, that really was the moment where I feel like there was a part of me that just woke up. Like I came out of a trance. I, I speak of it in a recent podcast episode I just yeah. did where I felt like I woke up and saw this model that I was setting for my kids, which was very similar to the model that my family of origin that I had been raised in. And I actually, there was one day I was in a store called Marshall's, which I think people are familiar with. And there was a sign that said, dysfunction stops here. And I now have that in my house. And that is, I I just drew a line in the San Antonio. Yeah. And I just, I knew from that moment forward, there was something that clicked in me that was like, you know, hold on. Like, yes, my kids matter so much to me. And what am I modeling for them? And so yes. that was a question I asked myself. Is this a marriage that I would want for my three sons? And my answer was a big old hell no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so from that, I started to shift the marriage and I, you know, tried to do what I could do. And, you know. What do you, what do, you do? What do you remember about doing? Because I feel like that you're so spot on. And I feel like the thing that's difficult in the women's Facebook group that I, that I have mm. or that sort of thing is that I feel bad saying that when you start to stand up for yourself or know that it's okay for you to have thoughts, feelings, and emotions, that it's almost unfortunate that if you're doing it right, you're going to get more buttons pushed and you're going to... Oh, for sure. So did that happen for you? Uh, 100%. Okay. Yeah. 100% with everyone in my original circle, you know, like my mom, my dad, my sisters, my mother-in-law, like everyone who was, who mattered to me absolutely did turn on me. And it is something that I spoke about in that it's, it's okay. episode at smbwell.com slash 230. Yeah. But I speak of how, you know, something I heard in those, that period of time when my friend passed and I, I was like, oh, something's got to change, Susie. I heard about the idea of what happens to crabs in a bucket. Have you heard of this? Like when you oh, have- Oh, a little bit, but please talk to this. Yeah. I love it. So when you have crabs in a bucket, so I'm, imagine I'm a crab in a bucket and my mom is a crab and my dad and my husband and my, we're all in that bucket and we're all sort of living maybe in a, like, and we know maybe that our end is soon because we're in this yeah. bucket. Like, why are we in a bucket? We're not, so we're in the bucket. And if one of those crabs 
tries to get out of that uncomfortable situation and crawls up the other crabs instead of helping it or maybe like it, thinking it can get out and help. They try to pull that crab down and they'll pull it down. They will not give up until they have pulled that crab down and torn that crab to shreds. That's what crabs will do. And so for me, I just was like, I'm that crab in the bucket and I need to get out. And so when I saw my parents, my parents did many things. My my parents were incredibly and still are incredibly wealthy and said that they would support my husband's legal team. Um, Wow. My sister turned over emails that I had written to her at different times as before we sort of had texts and I would say, I had such a bad parenting moment or God, today was really hard. She turned those over to my husband's lawyers to use against me in court, showing that I was an inept mother, you know, wow. just the worst. Um, my, I had some premarital earnings that I was, we were married in 1996 before, you know, electronic files. And there mm-hmm. was one piece of paper that showed that it was in my maiden name, not my married name. And I needed that paper to give me that earning. Uh-huh. And my dad on a video with me and he was with my sister, shredded that document. So $480,000, oh, $480,000 went to my ex. Not a penny of that. Like it wasn't split then because of the state I was living in in America. I, Virginia still at the time that I was divorced in 2014. You are the property of your husband. He got every penny, which rendered me essentially bankrupt. And I had you know, little money for a legal team, knowing that my dad also had massive money for my husband's legal team. So I spent a year in the basement of our unfinished house, the marital house where my kids were still living. I told them I had a bad back. Mom's sleeping upstairs. Because if I had left, the state could say that I was abandoning my children and I would have given up rights to see my three darling boys. And if I left with them, which two of them were begging me to do, they would have said I kidnapped them. And I could have ended up in prison, leave it. So, I mean, those crabs are for real. Tell they me really that. are, Susie. And, and, and I'm like, me. And oh, and it's so crazy because I, I say probably on every one of the Waking Up to Narcissism podcasts of that, and we can't try to make sense of the nonsense. But yet I find myself wanting to ask you, you know, boy, why? Why did your dad do that? But I know. Oh, I get it. I want mm-hmm. high, So if my and my in-laws were in on that too, which I get more deals, details to in that podcast episode. But yeah. All of them, I, you know, I call them sort of the four-headed dragon, like my mother, my father-in-law, dad, and mom. If they believed that what I was doing was possible, which was saying that this marriage is not okay for me. Like, if you think of my mom living with my father for however many years they were married, and then when I went to my parents and said, you know, I'm thinking of ending this, and they said, oh, hell no. They were like, you cannot. I mean, they got crab-like in that if I was showing them a different way of living, they would have to address it. Maybe that could have been possible for them. And that is not something they rather close it off, fight against me, say, I mean, they, my mother said it would be easier if I had died, like my oh. friend. I don't know what they, they like. It's an interest. I can see where they are coming from. And it yeah. is, I guess, another helpful story that I, I really like stories. And I know that you do too. But do. one thing that is, really helped me. And I don't know where I, I think I heard it from Tara Brock. So it might be a Buddhist story, but of a dog at a tree. And I think of my parents as a dog by this tree. And so you're walking through the forest and you see this dog by the tree and you go to pet the dog and the dog bites you. And you're like, whoa, what's going? And then you, when you back up, you see the dog is caught in this massive, extensive, awful trap. 
Mm. And there is nothing that you as the person can do to get that dog out of the trap. Like you cannot get all I can do with my parents or that dog is decide whether I'm going to go back and keep getting my hand bit. Because, okay. and so it's that like biting of the hand. So I heard that story first from Tara and that was so helpful. Yeah. I thought, okay, my parents, like they are not doing this to me. This is their wounding, their past, this harmful yeah. piece that's, that's, you know, that is there. And that has brought me a lot of freedom. As has when I met with a coach, I was telling her my whole story and I was very much in the victim mindset and well, with me, look at all this. And she just, she's like, stop, Susie, stop. Like, (laughs) and I was like, what do I need to cry for about this? And I can still remember where I was sitting and the sunlight coming in. And she said, what if you had the exact parents you needed to have to become the woman you are today? Mm. And with that, I was like, yeah, like I'm the one. I, the dysfunction stops here. This is over. My boys are going to have a different future. We are not continuing this down the line. Yeah. A lot of fear, a lot of error. How many, how many years were you into the recovery or the separation when you had that moment? I'm curious. That was while I was still living in the house. It was. So, okay. So I think to your point, with the women in the Facebook group and people when they're starting to see, yeah. you know, whether they're in that extreme narcissist relationship or whether they're listening on your other podcast, The Virtual Couch, and they're just sort of in an uncomfortable period, it's just, you just need to take that next right step. So mm-hmm. for me, I didn't go from this, like all of these are sort of like little step posts to yeah. where I am now. I didn't go from that basement to living Right now, I'm in Australia in a dream location with a right. man who's totally supportive and lets me wear anything I want to eat up and yeah. eat as many donuts as I want to <laughs> eat. <laughs> I didn't go from there to yeah. here, but it was more these little steps. You know, first I would, I talked my first husband into therapy and then we got fired from that therapist since we moved okay. to the next one. Yes. You know, and, and we just, so it's taking whatever step seems seems doable for you in the moment. Maybe it's just buying a self-help book. Absolutely. Maybe it's, I started, the reason why I podcast now is because I started with podcast. That was something that my ex would not see me doing so mm-hmm. I could do it. And it was sort of this, like, if he found out, he would have been raging mad, but I yes. could do it in a safe way. So I always encourage people to just take that next step. Another big piece of that is your Facebook group Mm -hmm. to get that support. Because when you are doing things different, like I was doing, you might be surrounded by crabs also. Absolutely. And so, so saying like any, anything, say it's not a massive marriage that you're trying to get out of, but just a boundary you're trying to set with, you know, your mother-in-law who's always dropping by unexpected and it's really for sure. You know, so say you're trying to set that boundary, like, Hey mom, could you send me a text before you come over? You're going to feel physically uncomfortable if you've been raised in an environment where you you're, you're asking to do... for your needs, right? Yes. To be met, and you want someone yes. to say, okay, versus, I mean, even if they're you're not asking gonna for that, okay. they're not going to say, okay. Yeah. And so, so you need <laughs> podcasts like ours that are like, they're not going to say, like, you, yeah. what, for 12 years, you've let your mother come by on, you know, without any sort of, so why now would she be like, okay, great idea, Cindy, I see. Absolutely. Yeah, so, so we need that sort of the guidance of podcasts and knowledge, but then we also need the support of a group to remind us you're not doing anything wrong. Absolutely. Like we want to have like the Tony or the Susie or the other women in there that are like, oh, honey, I get it. That's hard. 
Yeah. Well, and I appreciate you saying that too, because I feel like it's when people get out and then they feel liberated and they want to share that story. And I almost feel like you've got so many in that group, for example, there are people that are just starting to, I mean, Mm -hmm. they're still scared to even log into Facebook at this point Mm -hmm. and worried that somebody's going to see or read or whatever. And I feel like that person can all of a sudden hear, man, now, you know, we got out and I did this and now I'm in this happy relationship. And it can just feel overwhelming even to think, I don't know if I can get there. You know, it's so oh, easy, for sure. right? Yeah. That's and- why it like has to be that next little step. Like maybe it's just listening to a podcast or maybe it's I would get a book from the library, but that was a little risky because then he could see it. So I yeah. actually, I just found it so funny because I did move across. I moved internationally. And so a lot of my stuff I had to get rid of, but I just found a book that I had had from back when I was married and it's, I can't get it now with my headphones, but I have duct tape over the cover of it, like white duct tape so that you can't see the type. I think it's feel the fear and do it anyway by Susan Jeffers, but you can't see it. So, So just whatever, like I've been scared, whoever's been scared, but we need to take that next little step that seems okay. Is that a library book, Susie? I mean, do you have a very no? Like, that's not there? a library book. I don't. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but I'm sure. I mean, everything was controlled in my life. Finances, I'm sure, it was a used book I got somewhere where I could sneak like maybe a dollar and change from. No, it's totally. But I like what you're saying that that next little step because we did a group call a few weeks ago and I was talking about self care and I realized even when people hear self care, mm. they think, okay, I got to go run a marathon, but it can be Mm-mm. to dream, it can be to think, it can be yes. to hope. I mean, it can happen yes. internally. Yeah, yeah with, without anyone knowing. And so that's a very good point because a lot of what I do are habits and we're recording this around a new year when people, yeah. you know, maybe sedentary people are like, and they go to the gym okay? and I'm like, right. let's not go that big. That's yeah. like saying, you know, you haven't spoken up to your husband of 19 years and you're like, go to therapy. Like that's, right. that's too big a jump. So it's this, you know, when I'm working with people, I'm like, well, what's like the minimum thing that you could do? Could you mm-hmm. walk for one minute a day? One yeah. minute a day. And they're like, that's not big enough. But it's actually, it is. I actually have a client who last year said she was going to walk for five minutes a day, every day. She walked for five minutes and then she added five minutes on to every month. And so by the end of the year, how much is she walking? An hour a day. And she's, but because she started small, it is that like we have to start small. Yeah. I know. I love this. I really do. Mm -hmm. And and I also like having people hear success stories and that it, what was that like for your kids too? I'm curious when you got out of the relationship, what, I mean, what were those conversations like? You said that one of your sons wanted you to leave early on. Is that the case? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think if I had looked back to me when I made the ultimate decision to leave and move forward with the divorce, a lot of what was driving, because my self-confidence was so low that to say to do it for Susie was too far a leap. Yeah, but okay. I saw myself doing it for my kid because my oldest son was entering preteen and teen years. And there was a lot of conflict in parenting mm. and how, you know, it was sort of that my way is the right way authoritative, which is why I now help parents of teens because okay. we need to parent that age differently than we did the zero to 10 year olds. I mean, it is my background is a master's of education. So they're okay. And it was interesting. I had a master's of education and then became a stay at home mom. And then suddenly, you know, so there's this conflict in parenting. Yeah. And that was the impetus for me to say, okay, enough, like it stops here. And, and that started probably before my friend passed that I would have the courage to speak up to my ex if it had things to do with parenting. Okay. And then. 
when that ball sort of started getting rolling, which it was not something that was he was open to at all. Um, but when that started to get rolling, it was continuing to return to my kids. Now, my kids now, so much of my job is to recognize that they have a father and there is nothing I can do Yeah, that can, like, I can't outmother their father. I can be the best mother I'm going to be. Yeah. And they are always going to have that father. And so I can help them you know, we role play sort of how to speak up for yourself or how to say, okay, that's an, you know, I don't have that thought bad or, but there, I have three sons and they are still very much in the dance of figuring this out. They're 18, 20 and 24. I think I just okay. did that wrong. Well, and but Susan, what I like, what I appreciate about that too, is I think one of the things when I talk about co-parenting with a narcissist or an incredibly emotionally immature person Again, back to the, if somebody hasn't had that experience, it sounds like this is not fair or you're throwing dad under the bus, but I love what you're saying Mm. about, we have to learn to validate the kid's emotions because Mm -hmm. I don't know if you made a lot of excuses for him as you were growing up with the kids. And I give this example often of somebody that the dad was really late to pick the daughter up from high school, the mom's sitting in the car and the dad's late often, probably always. Mm -hmm. And then this lady said that when her daughter got frustrated, you know, she said, I wanted to say, oh, I'm sure he cares, or I'm sure he's just running late. But she finally Mm -hmm. felt like, man, I'm not validating her experience and said, man, what is that like? And it's frustrating. And then she shared, yeah, I get frustrated too. And it was Mm -hmm. a really powerful moment for her. And she said, she was coming in asking me, did I do the wrong thing? You know, did I Mm. throw under the bus? But I feel like we have to validate our kids' experience versus... So that I think it's very important. And I started to do that when I was still married to my first husband is to look... What I used to do is I'd triangulate. So the kids would have, you know, maybe they'd want to go to a skiing outing or something. Mm. And they'd say, I need to ask dad, but can you ask dad? Because they know that dad is probably, and so I would get involved in that trend and I would ask dad. And then, you know, and, and that, what I have done is I've flattened that triangle because we know okay. triangles are not great for, so yeah. I, I started by, you know, like you ask, you can do it. Let's play. Let's think of how you can ask dad. And then if dad said something like no or yes, or, you know, no, usually I would say, I'm really sorry. That's hard. I wouldn't, I would really try to step back from the advice. One of my favorite parenting tools I call sucks and handle or stinks and handle. So it's that like all that stinks. How are you going to handle it? Oh, I like that. Um, Yeah. And sometimes the stink or the sucks part is where we are validating. And sometimes we need to stay there a little longer. So it's like, oh, I'm really sorry that he said no. And I'm really sorry that that happened. How does that feel? Like, what are you thinking? And then maybe like a day passes. What are you going to do about it? But that helps me stay away from throwing my ex under the bus. I used to throw him under the bus more when I was in the divorce and the contention because I was in a okay. very angry place towards him. Okay. But I really was like, this is not fair to my kids because this is the only dad they have. So they don't need, they need to come to their awareness of who yeah. their dad is yeah. without me trying to sort of throw dirt on it. And again, Um, I appreciate your honesty because I feel like, you know, again, you're bubbly, you're successful, you're in a happy mm -hmm. relationship, you can feel that energy. And so I do feel like sometimes people think, oh, man, well, when I try, it's really difficult when I interact with a narcissist. Well, I'm glad he said that because I do want to say that co-parenting is, I don't co-parent with him. I parallel parallel. 
Talk about that. I realized I mentioned that, I think, on one episode a while ago, and it was brought up in actually in a session earlier today. And I thought to myself, oh, I need to talk about that more. So talk about parallel parenting. Because co-parenting, I wanted to do like the optimist in me and the self-help guru. I'm like, oh, this would be. And that possibly is the best path for children when they're not in a sort of contentious or the relationship Mm -hmm. that me and my ex were in. But parallel parenting is absolutely, you are not co-anything. You are parallel. So the rules he has at his house are his rule. And mom has rules at my, you know, so like my kids plug their cell phones in downstairs, not in their room. Well, dad lets us, I get it. Different rules, different houses, you know. And also we do not coordinate on discipline because that was something that we couldn't coordinate on when we were in, you know, a marriage. (laughs) Yeah. So, So it is, like we don't do, anything. And then I needed to have very strong boundaries with him so that he's not, he does not call me unless, and I got very prescriptive, unless there's a hospital involved. (laughs) Okay. Yes. (laughs) Like it's because emergency wasn't enough. So an emergency could be like, you didn't respond to the teacher. That's like, that's not an emergency. So you can call me if there's a hospital involved. And otherwise it is email. There are no texts unless again, it's something urgent and needs a response within 24 days. I've gotten a little more lenient with that as we've moved out from, Mm -hmm. you know, the relationship. But that's also because I held that boundary strong and he got used to not being able to just ping me. Well, and talk about that too, Susie. So if you're saying, okay, only the phone call, if this, under this scenario, then Mm -hmm. when he would text and what didn't fall under that, what would you do? Would you just ignore or would you respond back with I needed to ignore. I put his text on silent. Okay. Because even the as people, you know, in this sort of relationship will understand, even seeing it yes. come up would trigger my nervous trigger. system. Yeah. And so I needed to put it on silent. So I didn't even like somehow you could do it on our phones and I figured it out and I'm not a tech guru. <laughs> yeah. So it doesn't come up on the main, you know, yeah. you don't get the notification. Yeah. No. What it looks like on the thing is like a number. I'll see number two and I'm like, oh, okay, that's him. And then I need to use my constraint and my willpower to, and I would set an internal boundary of saying in the early days, I would say, I'm only going to check these at 4 p.m. or something. Actually, for me, it was more, I would only check these at 9 a.m. because 4 p.m. was right before the kids came home from school. And I knew if I checked them, I was probably going to be in agitated state. So I would want to check them at 9 a.m. and have a whole day to manage whatever my emotions were going to send my way. And oftentimes, I would really try not to reply or I would reply on email. Now, okay. email, I don't have any notifications going. Yeah. Uh, and then email, I have a podcast episode on my favorite narcissist tools, but you know, one of them is BIF, brief, informative, formal, and firm. Mm-hmm. So when I'm writing an email, I'm trying to get out of my old patterning, which is to over-explain, yep. over, and so I'm just like firm, formal, informative. It, there is none of that. Another tool that really helped me with him in terms of parenting and moving on was thinking of him. I would say to myself, I'm like, he's just another man. Like Mm -hmm. to stop thinking of him as a father or like adding this sort of weight and expectation to how he should be acting or what he should be doing. Because whenever I was shooting on him, I was getting into emotional drama. So like he should be interested that you know, right. son B has a play tomorrow. It's like, he's just another man. Like, let's just, let's let him do him. Are you interested that son B has a play tomorrow? Yeah. And let him act 
the way he's going to act, which in my caring mind was like, oh, that's going to harm my kids. But I'm like, but that is, he's the dad in the same way my parents are the parents I need to become the woman I am. He's the dad my boys need to become the amazing human beings they're going to become. And so they need that experience of maybe someone talking back to them or being more emotionally immature, but to learn tools so that they don't enter into, you know, a 26 year relationship with their own narcissist. Well, I like the way you put that because I feel like that is where then they can learn. And this is where I feel like if it's unhealthy and emotionally abusive in your scenario, Mm -hmm. you get out kids, any kid, doesn't matter how old gets their sense of self from external validation. And that comes primarily, it can be from the parent. And if the parent is continually spending emotional calories and energy trying to manage the emotions of the narcissist, then they that is how they're that the kids get validation by also managing, you know, the emotions of the narcissist. And then when you're in your best version of you, that's where mm-hmm. I try to explain to parents. Now you get to validate them in an incredibly healthy way and be there for them yeah. and tell me more. And it's not always trying to manage the emotions of the emotionally immature. And yeah, because that and I've never thought of it until you just said it that way, because now maybe they learn, oh, I'm not going to open up emotionally to somebody that's unsafe, or I'm going to learn to have a surface relationship for somebody. And we'll talk about sports and we'll talk about the weather. And if I want this relationship, then it may be based off of that. And then I can trust my own intuition on who I really can open up with. So I love what you say. Which is really hard. Yeah. And yet, like my definition of suffering is resisting what is, like resisting reality. And so for me, many years I suffered because I thought my dad should be a certain way and should, it shouldn't say things that he said. But when I accepted that this is the man I have as my dad, I lost a lot of that suffering. So with my children, when I think of them in, and I would say that my ex can be emotionally abusive. Mm. So when I think of them in that situation, my heart breaks. Yeah. And I am like, I am not going to be there to buffer or be that triangle anymore and to hide from them what is with their father. Like they are now, you know, 18 and over. I do need to say that if the option had been there for me to get more custody, it would have been, but I had my father's throw it. So I couldn't, you know, my hands were tied. So one thought that I had that may help your listeners that maybe are in a similar situation that, you know, no matter what, like often, we have some custody, Sharon. Mm. I would think the thought that in the past, I was married and the kids were in this environment 100% of the time. And so then when we split, they're with me 50% of the time. And so then I like to think that at least 50% of the time, I am validating their emotions. Yes. I am pouring love on them. I am letting them know that no matter what they do, I, you know, all of that. Yeah. And I'm doing that from a much less scared more whole place because I'm no longer in this environment and I can't control this, which is unfortunate. I mean, and and that's where I need to get back to sort of my more universal belief that they have the exact, I am not God. I don't know why they're having this experience, but I need to believe that they are having this exact experience to become the amazing humans they're going to become. And I do have the underlying belief that the universe supports me and my boys, that things work out for us. I'm in friggin' Australia living by the beach. Like, I (laughs) have so much evidence. My boys are thriving. You know, I mean, we everyone has ups and downs. Sure. And yet, I like to focus on the gain instead of the gap. Like, yes, they still are around this man. I can't remove him as the father from their life. 
know, and yet I have the gain that I have a new man in their life, you know, their stepfather who can pour love on them. I have, I am showing a new model of marriage. I am showing a new model of validation and self-care. As a better version of you, which is. Oh, yes. I, Um, yes. Hey, Susie, can you tell the story about how you met your current husband? Because that's what I loved when I was on your episode. Is that one you tell out in the. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's so fun. So it is. So speaking of habits, in 2015, for my birthday in October, I decided that I was going to start meditating every day. I wanted to do it every day. I had heard from so many experts like you that like, okay, meditation's good. Yes. So I said I was going to meditate for one minute a day. Okay, great place to start. <laughs> and that's what I committed to. I have, and now here it is, 2023, and I have been meditating every day. So that works, warriors. <laughs> yes. But so meditating one minute a day, and the app I chose to meditate on was Insight Timer, which is, a, they have a free edition, and I got on the free edition, and so I would just meditate with that. <laughs> so I would do my one minute a day, and then at times at night when I'm going through this turmoil of, you know, parallel parenting and all that, I would try a sleep meditation. And so one day in February, I did a sleep meditation. I still remember it was Bethany Webster or something. And I wrote a review on it that said like, great meditation. And then a couple of days later, ends up, it was February 10th. I looked at the review and there was a comment to my review on her review that said, hey, Susie, you know, if you liked this meditation, you might like this one. And it said, Paul from Wollongong. And I was like, okay. So I just replied back saying, anyhow, we started a conversation, this Paul from Wollongong, who at the time, I'm in Arlington, Virginia. I was like, oh, what kind of name did he make up? Like, who is, I thought it was like some security measure. I'm like, yeah, you just make up like the name of it. Yeah. Paul from Wollongong. Who is like? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> now, meanwhile, my middle son is at the University of Wollongong. So it's so oh, fun. that's funny. Yeah. Wollongong is the place. But so we started going back and forth on the reviews, chatting, and then he, you know, and at some point, I was like, hey, are you over the age of 18? <laughs> we're like, move to what? Um, so I think that I, I constantly want to go back inside that meditation because I imagine we did wonders for her algorithm. Her oh, I bet. 40 <laughs> different responses back and forth, but we just started talking on WhatsApp and sending videos. And that was February 10th was when that first review was done. And then I, you know, I really had changed the way I lived my life that losing all that money again. Yeah. Horrible. Yet also a really big wake up call for me. One of the best things that happened because I was such a saver and such a like, must put this away for a rainy day. And then it's gone. And I'm like, Okay, so what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so then I really got if that hadn't happened to me, I don't think there's any way I would have, which I did do in June of 2016, chose to fly to Australia. I was right. like, well, what's happened? Let's jump in with both feet. Like my word of the year for 2016 was joy. Okay. And I like to align my actions with joy. And so I just flew over and my friends were very concerned. They were like, Susie, he's going to cut you into tiny pieces. Uh-huh. And you, oh. <laughs> I remember one of my best friends, I was in the airport getting ready to fly out of Dulles International in Virginia. And she said, well, at least send me his address. And then I looked and I was like, the only address I had throwing was a P.O. box. Oh, But like, I things work out for me. I am yeah. not a. This sounds like I'm this irresponsible, but nice. I am not. I'm very 
thorough. And I, I, you know, I had been videoing and talking to him. I would say right now, uh, Susie, blink twice if you're, uh, if you're unsafe, right? There we go. No, yeah, exactly. I'm safe. <laughs> you're fine. And that, no, I love that story because I will even have people that will say, I don't know how to meet somebody. I've tried the yeah. apps. I've tried whatever. And I even feel like I know that one is a, I mean, I don't know if there's a lot of other people that met on the review page of Insight Timer, but I mean, just being and doing, just continuing to do. Being and doing. I have a lot of people that I coach through divorce and with divorce. And that's, so first of all, the thought that I can't find someone is a thought. And if we're thinking that thought, that's going to create sort of our results. So let's think, I wonder how I can find it to just shift that thought around a little. I like thinking of dates. And sometimes I have my my clients make a chart of 100. And I'm like, so go on 100 first dates. Like after you've done 100 first dates, then maybe we can entertain that thought that you have that you can't find anyone. But go. And apps work. Everything works. Like Bumble works, Tinder, like all these things work. You could like what we look for, we will find. We will find examples of like, look at I've been on three dates and they haven't worked. That's focusing on the gap. It's focus on the game. You can find Susie met someone random. I need to add to that because it's so ironic. I had just, I had started dating again after my divorce and I had just broken up with someone who lived, I lived in Arlington and if anyone knows the Virginia area, he lived in Reston, which was like 30 minutes away. And my excuse for breaking up with him is that he lived too far away. (laughs) (laughs) The other side of the world. <laughs> that is funny though, because that I mean, yeah, the yeah, but that and that's too what far I thought. Like I thought, yeah. right? But it is. It's just examining our thoughts, like having clients just do what they love. A lot of what you talk about, like turning back to yourself, learn about yourself, love yourself, go meditate. You might meet someone there. And again, with relationships, they're not here to complete us. They're not here to fill a gap like I was taught growing up that I am a woman and being a girl is a subpar way of living. So you need a man to make you whole. We need to be whole. And then once we're whole, they augment us. They shine up. Like my husband helps me shine my light out now, but he doesn't make me me. And I feel like that's the message that is so hard to convey to somebody Mm -hmm. early or young. And I feel like that's where most people just don't know what they don't know. And yes. so when, when, right, when they wake up to this uh, emotional maturity or narcissism, I mean, that is that opportunity to then test and see, okay, maybe did we both not have the tools, but, mm-hmm. but all you can be responsible for is then how you start to wake up to that and how you show up. And I appreciate the way you started this today of saying it will change the dynamic in a relationship. And then are we looking at crabs or yeah. I don't know, something that would help lift somebody out of the bucket? Um, well, and I just yeah. like not, not spending too much time on regret. Like I oh, could absolutely. sit here. One of my favorite exercises is like replaying my past and telling the doomsday. And I could sit here and talk about like, why did I marry this man? Like, what is going on? How did this happen? And what was I? And sort of the self-blame part. And I just think there is no point. And I like to retell my past. And I had an amazing, you know, I had a father who supported travel. And he like, there are so many ways to tell our stories and to just make sure that the story you're telling is helpful for you. So when we look back and maybe we're waking up that we're in a narcissistic relationship, that is hard. That is awful. But we don't want to add to that, what I call it, like that sort of awfulness is clean pain. I say we often add in dirty pain. Let's not add the dirty pain that you should have known better. You should have known. Like you're exactly where you're meant to be. You're having the exact experience you're meant to have at the exact time you're meant to have it. And it's just, yeah. Uh, Hey, where can people find you? So, so you've got a podcast. So where else? Yeah. I have a podcast. I put together a page, snbwell.com slash Tony, 
oh, which will bring people to my podcast roadmap, which has really the foundations of a lot of the work that I do for just any platform, the Love Your Life show. Susie okay. Pettit. No, I, I'll, I'll, I will promote that and because I mean, your energy is fantastic. And then what I really appreciate is somebody that's been in your situation is I can say these things and I can be confident of the way to help people. But I really do feel like somebody that's lived it and come mm. through it that I just believe you can help people. I don't know, get through it however many percent faster because you really do know. And I know that. I get it. (laughs) You get it. I get it. And the parenting and just the nervous system response, I do get it. So also connect with me on Instagram, smb.wellness. Because I, yeah, I answer my own DMs and I know you're on there too, Tony. And I love it. And I would love to support anyone I yeah, no, I Susan, we're gonna, we're gonna, I was going to say. I was saying, we're going to have you back on. So thanks so much for coming yeah. on. Okay, this yeah, is great. awesome. All thanks, right. Susie. Okay, take, take care. care of you. Right. You're okay. I love the work you're doing out thanks there. Thanks so much. You too. All right, bye-bye. bye-bye.